Hey, cuz, welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, the show that takes a closer look at the songs from the rock and roll era, and we check out some of the stories behind those songs, and today, we're drinking some ONJ. Hi there, I'm Claude Call, and I've got some trivia right after this. In the Key of Q is a new podcast series featuring music and conversation with queer musicians from around the world. Musicians like Soulful, Ty McKinney. Musicians like suburban pop king, Matt Fischel. And musicians like rapper, The That's In the Key of Q, available on all the usual podcast providers. Don't do drugs, but if you're going to, get a good story Fear and Loathing in Tacoma is the newest podcast from comedian Jeremiah Coughlin, where he interviews rock stars, comedians, and generally interesting people about their psychedelic experiences. New episodes every Friday. Check it out on Podcast Republic, iTunes, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Sometimes hilarious, sometimes terrifying, always interesting. This is Fear and Loathing. Let's get to some trivia for ye. Since we're talking about Olivia Newton-John today, I'm sure you know that her starring role in the 1978 film Grease has resulted in one of the world's biggest-selling soundtrack albums. But in 1970, Olivia Newton-John starred in a film that not only featured a band she belonged to, but the film was named after that band. The movie did so poorly that she had to be convinced to do Grease. What was the name of the band? And the film. I'll have that answer for you near the end of the show. So as I teased at the end of the last episode, I Honestly Love You is a song that gets played at a lot of weddings. And I have to wonder why, given the subject matter. Because here's the thing. The song opens up with a confession of love. And it's very touching and all that. But the third verse, the third verse makes it pretty clear that they both have emotional attachments somewhere else. So... Lovely song, yes, but wedding song? I don't know. I'd be curious to know how many weddings that use this song are attached to enduring relationships. And I need to mention that I wrote that before I discovered that a similar theory was put forth in the 2001 movie, The Wedding Planner. I Honestly Love You was written by Jeff Barry, who we've talked about in this space many times before as the songwriting partner of Ellie Greenwich. Those two wrote a bunch of hits for uh, Phil Spector's stable of talent, not to mention a couple of hits for the Shangri-Las, the uh, Dixie Cups, Neil Diamond, and Leslie Gore. Barry also produced several hits for the Monkees and then moved on to writing hits for the Archies, including Sugar Sugar. But Barry had a co-writer for this one, and that would be Australian singer-songwriter Peter Allen. Now, Allen had come to the United States around 1970, and he was releasing songs by the following year in America. But in the U.S., he really found most of his success as a composer of hits for other artists. Uh, Allen gained some notoriety at the end of 1988 when he starred in a Broadway show that he co-wrote with Harvey Firestein called Legs Diamond. The show got ridiculously poor reviews, but it still managed to hang on for 64 performances, which might have been people buying tickets out of schadenfreude. The music wasn't terrible, but Alan had badly miscast himself in the title role, given that his onstage persona was usually a flamboyantly gay type, and the Legs Diamond character was a suave ladies' man. Anyway... 
Peter Allen was working on his album called Continental American, and he brought Barry in to write with him. One of the songs they wrote was I Honestly Love You, for which they made a demo. The part that isn't clear here is how the demo got into the hands of Olivia Newton-John's producer, uh, John Farrar. He played it for the singer, and she loved it. The problem was, Alan wanted to keep it for his album. But it was Jeff Barry who talked Alan into letting her have it, since she was already a huge star and likely to have a hit with it. This turned out to be a good move on his part because the song did indeed become a hit and it helped cement Alan's reputation as a songwriter. John recorded the song in London. She said that the studio was very small and rickety. The control room was upstairs and Farrar was up there with the engineer. And the two of them had to sit still while she was recording because the floor would creak and her microphone would pick it up. For all that, she laid down three takes and they decided that the first one was the best. Newton John said that she's not a power singer, but more of an interpretive one. And toward the end, she's almost whispering because it was about the more sensitive and tender emotions in life. She felt that the word honestly made it all the more poignant overall. Now, what's kind of funny about that is rooted in Jeff Barry's comment that the song was originally written from a guy's point of view, so maybe his intentions aren't so pure. He said, quote, I thought it would be a really sexy song for a guy to sing. I'm not trying to sleep with you. I honestly love you. And I thought... Any girl who would hear that would have to say, well, can we just do it once, unquote. Now, the song appeared on Olivia Newton-John's album, Long Live Love, and if you're an American fan, you already know that that album wasn't released in the United States. It was a UK-only release. In the U.S., however, this song and other songs from Long Live Love and the two that came out before that were repackaged into the American album, titled If You Love Me, Let Me Know, that title track being the only new song on the album. I Honestly Love You was released as a single in the U.S. uh, in August of 1974, and it took only six weeks to make it to the top five on the Billboard Hot 100, and another two weeks to make it to number one, where it spent the weeks of October 5th and October 12th. And while she was already a big shot in the music business, this was her first trip to the top of the Hot 100. It also spent three weeks at the top of the adult contemporary chart, and it peaked at number six on the country chart. On the other hand, it only peaked at number 22 in the UK, although it did chart a little bit better in 1983 when it was re-released to coincide with a Greatest Hits album. Really 
For what it's worth, Peter Allen did wind up recording the song for Continental American and then released it as a single after Olivia Newton-John's version became a hit. So far as I know, that version did not chart. The song has been covered numerous times, but frankly, none of them really stand out because they're so similar to Olivia Newton-John's version. I will note that Newton-John herself re-recorded the song in 1998 for her album Back With A Heart, with Babyface doing backup vocals. That's what you're hearing right now. The song was released as a single, which peaked at number 67 on the Billboard chart, but it remained on the chart for 12 weeks. That's a long time for a single that didn't do very well. It was also top 20 on the Adult Contemporary chart and on the Country chart. And now it's time to answer our trivia question. Back on page two, I asked you to identify the 1970 film that not only featured a band Olivia Newton-John belonged to, but the film was named after that band and the movie did so poorly that she had to be convinced to do Grease. Well, both the band and the film were named Tomorrow, which is spelled with an extra O up front. T-O-O, Morrow. It's about a group of students who pay their way through school by forming a pop band. Sonic vibrations from a special musical instrument called a tonalizer cause an alien to kidnap the group and have them entertain the population on his home planet. The movie took two years to make and ran for exactly one week before being shelved. And let me, let me say, it's not terrible, but it's a ridiculous premise, and the whole thing is definitely less than the sum of its parts. But if you're curious, you can watch the whole thing on YouTube. There's also a DVD floating around out there, but it's remarkably low quality, including having all of the sound in one side of your stereo speakers. Incidentally, even that wasn't Olivia Newton-John's first film. She had previously been in a film in 1965 called Funny Things Happen Down Under, which is a rather silly family film that you could also see on YouTube. And that, my friend, is a full lid on another edition of How Good It Is. If you're enjoying the show, please take the time to share it with someone and maybe even leave a rating somewhere. And now... You can support the show over at patreon.com slash howgooditis. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com. 
or you can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at How Good It Is. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod. Or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits. And next time around, we're going to find out how good it is when we chat with John Hall, founder of the band Orleans, and does he have some tales to tell. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. How good it is. Okay, I've seen my playback statistics, so it's pretty much just you and me now. How good it is is a labor of love and a lot of fun to produce, and I'm happy to see it growing, but the fact is, it costs me money to put this show out on the web, and as the number of listeners goes up, so do the costs. I pledged from the beginning that I would keep this an ad-free show, which means I'm bearing most of the costs myself. I hate asking for money, mostly because I'm not very good at it, but I'm asking you to consider becoming a patron of the show. For $5 a month, you would be helping me to maintain some of the costs of hosting the show and the website and all the subscription services that I belong to in order to get audio clips and research materials. If just 2% of my listeners become supporters of the show, that would just about cover most of my costs. And for that support, you'd get the weekly newsletter that appears every week, whether there's a new show or not. Please take a look at patreon.com slash howgooditis, or if you'd rather not go through Patreon, email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll outline some alternatives for you. And thanks for your help. How good.